Hi, how's it going? Uh, look, I took long enough to make that video that I thought let's recycle it a wee bit and see the crack. Uh, welcome in Irish NFL show. It is the Monday after the draft, Monday the 2nd of May. It feels like the 2nd of December because this last weekend's been nuts. Michael McQuaid, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, you're going to have a few guests on site as well. Uh, first off, Colin, uh, could you... Uh, delighted that the NFL managed to make it a bank holiday weekend to follow up on the draft, I think, which made life a little bit easier for all of us following on from uh, Thursday night's uh, uh, Thursday night, Friday morning's festivities. But uh, a really an intriguing uh, few days, especially with the, the trades, I suppose, that we saw played out. And I'm sure we get get into that discussion. And we have a, a big, big suspension as well uh, this evening. And uh, we also have the fact that there are now two Irish guys uh, currently with NFL teams. Plenty to discuss. Plenty to discuss. And we have a guest coming on in just a few seconds. Brian, a uh, busy weekend. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. I suppose after the first round, it was interesting to see what, what direction the teams went in the second round. And I'm sure we're going to get into it in more detail, you know, during the show. But after all the talk of the quarterbacks last week and, you know, potentially Ritter and Howell potentially coming in as a late force, maybe early seconds, and the Malik Willis being, you know, potentially the number one quarterback to go off the board, none of that materialised. I mean, there was no quarterback selected in the second round and only one in the first round. Malik Willis didn't go to the third and, so, and, and many others thereafter. And... Some of the teams who we thought would take a quarterback took them, but they didn't have to take them until later in the draft. So that's where we're going to get into it. And yeah, the breaking news obviously about Andre, DeAndre Hopkins is something that we'll have to. I don't. I didn't think we'd be discussing that tonight. Yeah, there's there's a lot to get into before the Coronation Street refers to the omnibus starts at eleven o'clock. We're delighted to bring in our first guest tonight. Uh, look, from Houston, Texas, uh, he speaks on Sports Radio 610 um, every weekday about the Houston, Texas and the NFL. Sean Pendergrass. Sean, a, a very, very well warm welcome back to the show. Can you hear us okay? And can we hear you use the big test to start us off? I, we can't hear you. And this is the joy of it going live. We can't hear you. Do you have like <laughs> headphones or anything that you can put on? And we'll try it. He has the AirPods. Try, uh, if, if you want to try your settings, Sean, just while we're here, and, and we will see. Uh, just while we're chatting to Sean, just waiting, Sean, I'll, I'll give you a wee shot in the chat, Sean. It was an interesting draft for the Texans column who, who got their man at number three, wasn't it? Yeah, um, we, we had discussed it, and I suppose he had risen back up the, the draft boards. What was interesting, I think, in the, the first kind of um, few picks was the, the way in which, obviously, uh, Trayvon Walker uh, rise up the, the draft boards. And, yeah, there were some people who probably had him high. I don't know whether anyone, anyone had him number one uh, overall prior to uh, March of uh, 2022. But Stingley uh, is is an interesting one because he's a player who we discussed uh, had one of the great quarterback seasons in college football history in 2019 and then has been dealing with um, the issues, uh, I suppose, at LSU and at, at injuries. So fingers crossed that we will now be able to discuss that with Sean. Can you guys hear me now? I got rid of the AirPods. Am I good now? You're back in business, Sean. I'm back Hi, in God, business, Sean. yeah technology <laughs> <laughs> sean first off how's it going because you know for us bit busy weekend you know obviously reporting on the draft watching the draft we had a live show during the first round i know for you in the current situation taxes are in it like you know there's so much changing in houston it's an, an enjoyable weekend but but also it was it was a good weekend for the texans yeah yeah really good weekend yeah i appreciate you guys having me on i know we tried to get it nailed down during day one of the draft last week, but I'm in the weird spot now with the Texans actually having first round picks. The last two years, I could have done the whole show with you on day one because the Texans didn't have any first round picks. Now, between uh, their own performance and the, Deon uh, the Deshaun Watson trade, uh, they've got plenty of first round capital the next few years. It was, I'll tell you what, guys, this is the first time probably since the playoff win over Buffalo back in the 2019 season that there's been hope in Houston. I mean, if you think about what's gone down since then, the following week, they blow a 24 nothing lead to the Kansas City Chiefs. Two months later, they trade DeAndre Hopkins for, for nothing. And then, you know, then five months later, Bill O'Brien is fired. The salary cap's a mess. He traded all the first round picks. 
Jack Easterby's in the building. They hired David Culley. Like, it's been just a circus for a couple of years. This was the first weekend that the, the, the interaction with Texan fans for me was really, really positive across the board. Because I think the big thing, we'll see how this class works out. It's going to be really hard for them to mess up this class, given how many picks they had and how high they were picking. But I think there's just this feeling like, okay, there's an adult running things now in Nick Casario. This guy, you watch him operate this weekend. This is clearly a general manager that has, he's been to the circus. He's seen the strings. He knows how it works. And he's doing things sensibly. So I think there's just a feeling of calm now that the, the organization is actually being well run for a change. And Sean, I suppose with that number three pick, there was a lot of talk in, in the lead up to it, especially in kind of the weeks beforehand. I, as we got closer and closer to Thursday night, it seemed like Stingley was almost the kind of consensus pick. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about like what you were hearing or what the what the thought process of the Texas in terms of deciding on Stingley was? Yeah, I look, Nick Casario does a really, really good job of keeping his cards close to the vest. I think we all learned that over the last month or so. Look, we, we have him, Seth Payne, my co-host and I, we have Nick on our show every few weeks, you know, for a half hour at a time. And it's like the jaws of life sometimes to get really good information extracted from him. He gives you good stuff as far as his thought process, but as far as like letting you know, like I'm leaning towards this guy, we really like that guy. He's, he's pretty close to the vest with that sort of information. So Stingley was a guy who got a lot of late steam, a lot of reports with Stingley. That was kind of a last-minute sort of thing. I think a lot of us assumed throughout the process, one, that he wanted to trade back, and he was very clear about that both on our show and in his press conferences. There, was just, there were no takers for the third overall pick, and I think we saw that play out with the quarterback market. Nobody's moving up to get these quarterbacks. They're waiting until the end of day two to get these quarterbacks. So once he couldn't trade back, then the speculation began. I think Iki Aquanu was the guy that a lot of, a lot of folks thought it would be um, for most of the process leading up to the last week. And then Stingley just picked up a lot of late steam. I, I think if you look at it's, – it's an interesting marriage, guys, Casario and Lovey Smith, because they come from two very different backgrounds philosophically when it comes to defense. You know, Casario comes from that Belichick tree, a lot of man coverage. Lovey's all that Tampa too, a lot of zone – I think what we saw throughout this process is that this is going to be kind of a hybrid of things. And the Stingley pick, Lovey's never been part of a team that's picked a cornerback even in the first round, let alone with the third overall pick. So I think it's an indicator that they are going for guys with they, – they're going best player available. They, they're not it's, – it's not scheme dependent at this stage. They need so much stuff that they're just going to get the best players they possibly can, get them in the building, and then figure the rest out later. And I think Stingley fits that. You know, if you're checking off boxes of physical talent, it's hard to find a guy in this draft that checks more boxes when he's healthy than Derek Stingley Jr. Sean, you touched on Nicky Aquano there, and a lot of scouts and a lot of mock drafts leading up to the draft had the Texans going with an offensive line at three. They came around again at 15, having traded down to go offensive line. At that stage, when we were doing the show, we felt potentially they might look at Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, but obviously he went to, he went ahead of them to Baltimore because he arguably was best player available at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I uh, I was hoping they pick Kyle. I'm a Notre Dame grad, so I was hoping they take Kyle Hamilton. I also think he's a great player too. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I think you know the draft party that I was at that first night. There were probably about five thousand Texan fans at that party. They were all hoping for Kyle Hamilton too. An interior offensive lineman isn't kind of the real sexy pick now. Kenyon Green is from the Houston area, and he played at Texas A&M. So there's plenty of that home cooking when it came to the pick. And I think once people sat and watched this kid play off and you know play guard for the you know in the SEC, and they watched how he moved people, you can go okay. Yeah, I mean, look, interior offensive line was a need for the Texans. You can argue it still is a need for the Texans. It's not like he solves. It's not like Green solves all their problems. Um, but yeah, Kyle Hamilton, I think, would have been the pick if we were doing sort of like a, an in the moment poll, like a. Uh, you know, rapid fire poll of Texan fans as they were sitting there, um, you know, at 13 before they moved back to 15, then uh, then they would have wanted Kyle Hamilton. Now, that said, um, I think Green makes a lot of sense. And I and if you guys watch kind of the I don't know how close you followed the fifth year option pickups today by teams, but the Texans picked up Titus Howard's fifth year option the right tackle they drafted back in 2019, who they've been shuffling back and forth between right tackle and left guard pretty much his whole career, which has just been a mess for him personally. And, and by proxy for the team, it's been a mess. 
I think drafting Green was the first move to sort of solidifying this line. They got Larry McTunsil coming back. They kind of reworked his contract. He's locked in for two more years. You draft Green. He's your day one starter at left guard. Now you take Titus Howard and you move him back to right tackle, and you can feel better about exercising his fifth-year option because you don't want to pay $13 million to a guy who's bad at left guard. You'd rather pay $13 million to a guy who's good, decent, not great, but decent with some upside at right tackle. So they've done a good job. That green pick was big, I think, in terms of just solidifying the whole thing up front. Green played in three different positions across the line last year, Sean. So there's versatility there. And yeah, twice yeah. during the season, he was player of the week in the SEC. On the, on yeah, the yeah. They, they like the versatility. I, you know, that's, that's come back to bite them at times, though, with young players when they've come in. I think back to Xavier Suofilo, who they drafted back in 2014 with a high pick. They were moving him all over the place. His second-round pick. Um, you know, they did it with Titus Howard, like I just said. My hope, guys, is that they find a home for Kenyon Green early on in camp. I mean, kid, just focus here. You focus on busting that mouth in front of you right there. Move, guys. Sean, we'll try and get another quick round in. And just for anyone watching this live on YouTube or Facebook, you can comment. We can get your comments on the screen. Any Texans questions, feel free to get them in. The The last Wembley game I was at, Sean, for the Texans, or for Wembley games in general uh, until this year, was the classic between the Jaguars and the Texans in 2019. Mm-hmm. Great game. Uh, looking back now, so much has changed since in the NFL. Um, any rumors this year? It seems to be very quiet in the Texans front. Obviously, Jaguars are going to be playing over, but it looks like it's going to be a year to miss for the Texans. Uh, you talking about any rumors of them traveling overseas to games? Yeah, just just London, Munich, Mexico. Have you have you heard anything? Or it's you know it's funny it's funny you you bring that up because I was I was reading Peter King's column uh, just before I got on with you guys and he had the list. I guess there's five international games, three in England, one in Mexico, and one in Germany this year. And it looks like the host teams for four of the five games are NFC teams that the Texans don't play. So the only chance it would be would be that Jags game, you know, over over there. Boy, I would hate to subject all the folks over on that side of the pond to a Jags Texans game. That's that that's that would be among our worst exports that we could send out of our country here to uh, to folks over there. But um, I've not heard anything to that effect of the Texans um, uh, playing playing overseas. No. So you won't you won't get an up close look. At the Davis Mills John Mechie connection. I'm absolutely devastated. I'm going to have to fly over myself and check it out. Well, I, I suppose piggybacking on the the Davis Mills side of things, I think what we had you on um, kind of uh, uh, last year and the way he ended the season. I mean, it was it was certainly better than if you were to look at his stats. Was it three or four games over 300 yards passing? As somebody who had Drew Locke in situ for three years, he never even got to, to that number. So, yeah. And if you compare him to now, not to say that he's absolutely the guy, but surely the, you know, and it does seem to be the case, but as somebody on the ground, like talk to us a little bit about going into year two, what the expectations are for, for Davis. Well, they're treating him like the starter. You know, they're, uh, when, when Lovey Smith gets asked about Davis Mills, Davis is our guy. Davis is our starting quarterback. This isn't a case of a rookie who struggled for six games, sat for a while, then looked pretty good in five games and going, okay, well, we're going to bring him back in. He's got to earn his job all over again. He is the starting quarterback for this team. So I like that, I like that they're treating it that way because, frankly, there's nobody else on the roster who it's at this stage of the Texans' rebuild it's worth wasting time with in a quarterback competition, you know, if now Davis Mills stinks in training camp, then don't play him. But I, I don't think he will. Um, the, the things I noticed about Davis Mills in training camp last year was he, he, and I think this is a big reason why he was better the last five games than he was the first six games. He's a pretty quick study. Like he doesn't make a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. When he would have a bad day at practice in July and August doing certain things, he would come back the next day and he would not do those things, you know, and that's, for a rookie quarterback, that's not always the case. So he he was a pretty quick study. Um, I'm kind of optimistic about how he'll do this year. It's a really tough schedule for the Texans. I mean, look, they're one of the worst teams in football, so every game's going to be tough. So for me to say it's a tough schedule makes it sound like, oh, they might be 10 and 7 or 7 and 10. They're going to win like five games this year if they're if they're lucky. They're going to be a much younger team. They may be a more talented team this year than last year, but they're going to be a much younger team this year than last year with a harder schedule. As far as Mills goes, I think it's going to really benefit him that the running game is, I would hope, going to be better only because I don't think it can be any worse than it was last year. Of course, I said that coming off of 2020, and it was even worse in 2021. 
But I think drafting Damian Pierce out of Florida, some of that solidification along the offensive line that we talked about, Pep Hamilton, now the offensive coordinator, not Bill O'Brien disciple Tim Kelly, I think is going to help. Pep is a guy who really accentuates the run game in his scheme. So I think if Mills gets a, a competent run game, they got him another weapon in the slot with Mechie. He's got another year with Nico Collins. Brandon Cooks is locked in on an extension now. Um, so I think they've done some things to improve the, the group around him. It's just the question now of him being able to get into Pep Hamilton's playbook, make that normal year one to year two jump, and, and, and adjust to being the unquestioned guy heading into the season as opposed to a rookie who's off of everybody's radar. You know, you, not like Davis Mills is a guy like, well, now we got film on Davis Mills. Like you say that about a guy like Lamar Jackson, right, who's just this unicorn. But the fact of the matter is they do have film on Davis Mills now. They do know what his tendencies are. Um, so I'm optimistic. You look at a lot of the numbers for him last year uh, in those last five games. You know, the first six are what they were. But the last five starts of the year where he won a couple games and had a few 300-yard games, like you guys said, his efficiency numbers were really good. He was really good on third down, num- top passer rating in the red zone last year in that period of time, uh, top efficiency, I think, among the top, throwing the deep ball. So there's a lot to like about what he did down the stretch last year. I don't know if he's going to be the guy long term. At the very least, guys, his performance last year prevented the Texans from reaching on one of these quarterbacks in this draft, and that's a win as far as I'm concerned. Sean, at the end of last season, a large amount of fans across the league probably assumed that Brandon Cooks would be traded, you know, and he signed the contract. And I think what we saw the other day really did they, they recognize his commitment to the team and how good he can be because Mechie coming in from Alabama, I think that's actually a huge pick in the second round. It gives him the opportunity to kind of, it's no more double coverage for Cooks if he's on the other side and causing trouble. And again, as you touched on, giving the quarterback proper weapons to go, to go with. Yeah. Um, Cooks is a guy they really want to have in the building. Um, you know, Cooks is a, he is a high character guy, good chemistry guy, good culture guy, team guy. And he's a really good player, too. That helps. I mean, you can be the greatest guy in the world, but if you stink at football, you know, they're, they're not going to keep you around, I would think. Um, but Cooks is a, you know, Cooks has been very productive. I think we've been pleasantly surprised by how durable he's been, you know, given that when they traded for him, part of the reason he got traded was because he started having concussion issues his last year with the Rams. So I think we've been pleasantly surprised that by and large, he's been on the field pretty much every game. He missed a game because of COVID last year. Um, but he's huge for this team. That's why they extended him, you know, and I think they feel like they, I think they feel like they got a pretty good deal with that extension. When you look at some of the numbers that some of these receivers are starting to get, you know, 29, 30 million. And I'm not saying Cooks is on the level of Devontae Adams, but he's very, very good. I think the biggest thing about Cooks is you can just, doesn't matter who your quarterback is, you can pencil him in at the beginning of the year for 11 or 1200 yards seven touchdowns you know what you're getting so they got him on that extension for about 18 million a year I think what he brings behind the scenes and what he brings on the field and yeah now adding Mechie in the slot if he can do some of the things he did at Alabama with yards after the catch it's I'm not saying it's a good offense but it's definitely a much more interesting offense but absolutely Cooks is a real vital part of the rebuild they're trying to kind of execute here over the next couple of years it's a really interesting time for the Texans, Sean, and we just want to thank you for coming on. And I know, please God, now over the season, I'm sure the Texans will have a few, maybe the odd Thursday night game, the first half of the season at least. So looking forward to chatting to you again, maybe from Energy Stadium again. Good times. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, look, <laughs> just you know, obviously enjoy the next few months. It's an exciting time. I really like Lovey Smith and really appreciate you coming on. For everyone uh, watching this, at Sean T. Pendergast uh, on Twitter and Sean Really appreciate your support, man. Honestly, thank you so appreciate, much. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, anytime you need me, give me a shout. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, you got a DeAndre Hopkins suspension to talk about now. That yes. those, these former Texans are all still big topics in the city of Houston. <laughs> We're going to talk about Watson, Hopkins. You can rattle rattle them all off. JJ Watt, all of them. They're all still big topics here <laughs> in Houston. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime you you want to chat, uh, give me a shout. Keep up the great work. Thanks very much, Joe. Thank you, Sean. All, right. All the best. Man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. See you guys later. Oh, I, I hear whenever cut people off saying goodbye. Thanks so much, Sean, uh, for coming on. Lads, I need to say something very quickly before we start off the show properly. Uh, Irish NFL Show, Draft Review Special. Thank you, folks, for watching us on Facebook, WhatsApp, etc. Presented by Trust, Trust Gaming. Trust is the right gaming gear for any, for any gamer and any budget. You can check out trust.com. Or if you search Trust Gaming on Instagram for more information on different products Trust has, we're also presented by Mini Arcade Systems. They have the highest quality machines 
in Ireland. Uh, and we look forward to doing a show from there quite soon. Apparently, there's some breaking news on the week that all the games are being announced. Uh, and finally, we're presented by the Erlingus College Football Classic. Tickets for Northwestern North against Nebraska are now on sale. Uh, Colin, did you get me tickets? Yeah, last week. Um, yeah, but we'll uh, we'll be sit- we'll be sitting up in the gods, given that um, you you and me are uh, working in education and uh, on our budget, Michael. Well, here very quickly, can we just thank everyone, lads, for using our code last week? I think it was IE Show Twenty Two. Unbelievable! Thank you so much, folks. That really helps us, and it helps the game in Ireland as well. So, so we really appreciate it as well. There's a couple of comments here, boys. Uh, Declan saying. Um, the Owl MacBook mic settings. And then Kieran saying, big fan of the show. Uh, really impressed what you do. Spread the word of the NFL in Ireland. Kieran in North Florida. Kieran, thank you very much. Thomas spreading the word. Brian, I know you want to jump in. I'll let you go next. PEDs. Do you want to explain to the world what's going on with uh, the Arizona Cardinals before um, our next guest comes on? And maybe your own opinion as well. I actually haven't had an opportunity to fully read into it because it's only broken the last hour, but I believe DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended the first six games of next season because he took a substance that wasn't within the the laws of the league would that be would that be accurate i can read it out here now so from espn temple arizona josh winefuss i think going to come on this week onto the show uh, arizona cardinal star wide receiver deandre hopkins has been suspended six games for violating the nfl's policy and performance enhancing drugs the suspension comes four days after the cardinals traded the first round pick to the Ravens for Marquise Brown. Uh, Hopkins will be allowed to play in the preseason uh, and then he will miss um, he'll miss six games. He's gonna so he'll not be playing to week seven. That's shocking, Colin. Yeah, big loss for the Cardinals. Um he uh, we I suppose that the details will uh, come out in time and um, you, you never know. I, I do remember there were a number of players, um Will Fuller um, and others who a couple of years ago got suspended and at the time said they were going to sue their doctor, but um, that lawsuit is still being wait, um, waiting to, to file. Um, DeAndre Hopkins um, was um, a vaccine skeptic, but um, it would appear he put some other substances into his body. I guess we shall see. For the cards, this probably helps maybe explain the, um, the, the trade in terms of getting Hollywood Brown in there um, because they likely knew that this was coming but it, it's a huge loss for them i mean look hopkins you know you can you can argue over like the order but he is one of the absolute top receivers in in the league his ability um to go up and get the ball to find space and to get yards after the catch he is so tricky um he is a nightmare to cover and to be without him for six games in one of the toughest divisions certainly i I would argue that the toughest division in the the nfc that's a huge loss for the cards it's no coincidence that they're formed towards the second part of the season last year i know you joked here michael during during the show card seven and oh it seems like that's what they do with most seasons they they start fast and finish with a whimper and um he was missing for quite a few games the back end of the season last year and then when he did come back he was still carrying that injury and it's consistent with how that offense dropped off just on hollywood brown yeah i think Colin was hitting the nail on the head they knew this was coming because in fact hollywood brown joined the cardinals after party about an hour after the trade so he was already in arizona and the word is they knew this deal was was taking place it was just a case of when it was going to be announced on the evening so uh, not before the draft as opposed to during the draft when we got the news but um he was there joined the party so straight away i went they knew about this trade the day before and yeah they're gone for a speedster wide receiver to get in with some similarities to the way hopkins would go about his play but big loss seven games into a season you know you gotta start fast in the nfl and yes fine we see teams coming to back into the season with a run and going to the playoffs but in a division that's only going to be more competitive next next season with the 49ers looking to come go with their new quarterback and the rams obviously have a super bowl they've got a difficult road ahead of them now Let's say, uh, I know, I know we got a guest coming on in five minutes, see? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll disclose his name in due course. Let's let's look at the draft, lads. Obviously, we were live on Thursday night uh, going through each of the first round picks. I sat religiously while doing work all weekend watching the rest of the draft. Um, statistically, the Patriots are 32nd. Uh, and I know 
you know, I think Colm, you said this earlier on, it's not one uh, on, on the draft board, but um, some some interesting picks there. Uh, what the hell were they doing with that first round pick? Yeah, look, that's the probably the biggest head scratcher. And I think we have all seen the, um, the Rams reaction video. If you haven't, then it's probably worth your while taking the 12 seconds or so uh, to, to watch it. I, I, I get like if, if, if you believe in a guy, I, I get taking him. But given where he was on everyone's draft boards, would you not have been better placed to, to draft or to, to, to look to move back or it's even he's probably there when you, with your second pick i know if you really want him i mean it, it's tough to to know if the rams thought he was gonna be there potentially at 104 for the patriots to take him in the, the 20s um it, it does seem like a reach um but look um i i draft grades to me you know they they don't i think i i love i love the Somewhat something of the, the speculation, not not as much as uh, Mr. O'Leary uh, for the draft, but I do like the speculation and the build up to it. I think afterwards, though, you know, I, I've seen uh, draft classes uh, that have been hailed and, and gone on to absolutely flop equally. I have seen, you know, picks maybe um, that have been absolutely trounced um, go on to, to be enormous contributors. It's, it's fun to talk about, but essentially we're talking about potential. We're talking about guys transitioning into the league. Nobody knows what that is going to look like. I talk about it repeatedly. These guys have been the best player, very likely one of the best players on their team since they've been a superstar in, in like peewee football, in high school, in college, and all of a sudden they go in and everybody is almost of an equal standard. That is very difficult to get used to. Yep. Just before the guest comes in, uh, well, I've got some breaking news, but we'll leave it to the end of the show. Don't worry. Mo Sorry, and I, I'm, Colin, I'm going to forget about this. Brian, now, I grew up uh, a young Christian man and was engrossed in my faith. Still am engrossed in my faith. And in Revelations, it talks about, like, the Messiah coming, and, and you know, that's my belief in life. That hopefully, it's someday I know what the answer is going to be. Now, the other night, the Giants drafted Kevin Fibido at five, and we're still here. The world hasn't ended yet, so can, can you tell me what's going on in New York? In all seriousness, uh, you must be a very happy man. And I love that guy that announced the picks. That lad was class. Sam Prince? The, yeah, he was the, he the he next GM of the team or do something. Um, but yeah, class. I, I can understand the fact that he hasn't played a game in the NFL, but when you've been watching Giants football for the past six or seven years and how disappointing it's been and how disappointing it's been to see really good players traded out. You know, I'd argue the last time we had really decent edge rushers was OC, uh, JPP, J Jason Pierre-Paul has gone on to an nursing ball with the Bucks and you probably even go back a little bit to Strahan. So to see someone who a lot of people felt would go first and probably be definitely gone by four to drop a five and for a new GM who's under pressure to reconstruct the team to be in a position where you could because the priority was obvious offensive line for the Giants. Like that's been very clear and evident from day one. Column said last week the most fixed thing in the top ten is the Giants are going to take an offensive line. So for the Giants to be in a position to get their number one offensive line guy at seven that they wanted and to get Tibbet over five. Um yeah, there's some question marks around Cave on Tibbet on his demeanor and his and his manner and stuff he, he likes to do off the field. But I think uh, all that will get washed away come come September and it's been a while since New York has had a kind of a character and I think they've got two characters this week because Sauce Gardner is going to mop up all those um, marketing deals with big apple sauce um, in New York and, and Kayvon is the kind of guy that will come in and remind me of Strahan and it's no coincidence that he's in with Strahan, Strahan shall we say as his bosom buddy I just want to jump back before we bring our guest on I didn't realize Sean McVay had won six Super Bowl titles, and and Bill Belichick had only won one. So to see him chucking away and the greatest, the greatest ever head coach, um, was a bit disingenuous for me. But anyway, Sean McVay is obviously still on a high since February. Um, it's a scheme pick for the Patriots as opposed to the best player available. But anyway, Sean McVay, yeah. Sean made my Friday morning exciting. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed it. I chuckled at it myself. But in the light of day, I think it's unfair to be mocking one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever head coach in the NFL. 
You're talking about the New York Giants, lads. Uh, they may be going to London this year. Who knows what's going to happen? We'll have a schedule release show this week. Uh, the Denver Broncos are going to London. It's just been announced by Fox in Denver. They're playing the Jaguars. We'll talk about that during the week. One team that is going to London is the Packers. Uh, and we'll find out who they're playing either right now or hopefully probably in Wednesday, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, match night, but Matt, it's, it's an honour to have you back on the show again. Thank you very much. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, just counting down to this, this Packers game now. So it's it's good. We were talking to Mark Murphy a few weeks ago, and, and pe- people over here are obviously, not even if you're a Packers fan, they're just buzzing to see this game in, in the next few months. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know who they're going to play, but uh, we'll find out Wednesday. Um, my thinking is it's going to be the Giants or the Jets because every other team on the Packers schedule seems like a candidate for a, Sunday, Monday, or Sunday afternoon primetime game. Um, or I should say Sunday night, Monday night, or Sunday afternoon primetime game because of the types of opponents they're facing. Cowboys, Patriots, uh, I could go on and on. But uh, so Giants or Jets would be my would be my guess. The looking at the, the draft, um the I where, where you, I, I never thought the Packers were going wide receiver in the first round. I, I said it re- repeatedly. It never made it. It didn't seem like something that the team does. Is it two decades? Is it longer than the, since they went wide receiver in the first? Um, I, I, what were what were your thoughts? Were the feeling on the ground in in Green Green Bay? I, I know uh, and, Andrew Brandt was tweeting earlier about the booze. Uh, he heard when they obviously made the Aaron Rodgers pick. But what's the feeling in uh, in Green Bay about uh, the first round picks? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that they didn't go wide receiver. You know, for them, the the run on the top wide receivers went too early in the first round, you know, with Drake London going eighth and then 10, 11, 12 being Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. Um I guess they just didn't feel that it was worth it trading up that far and giving up significant draft capital to go up and get one of those guys. And and they ended up trading up 19 spots on day two uh, to get a guy they really like in Christian Watson, a guy that's going to have to come in and right away and and be a significant weapon for Aaron Rodgers. I think the two guys they got on day one, it's never a bad strategy to just draft two guys from one of the best defenses in college football history. Quay Walker, um, does it, the thing about both of these guys, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, they don't have to come in and be the guy at their position groups right away. There's a little more pressure on Christian Watson, even though he's a second-round pick. You know, Quay Walker gets to come in with Devondre Campbell. The reason the Packers like Quay Walker is because it gives them the flexibility to – you know, have two inside linebackers on the field at the same time who they feel can stop the run and defend against the pass. They haven't had that in a long time is what Brian Gutekunst said. It gives them a little more positional versatility, keeps opponents guessing, you know, if they have two inside linebackers on the field, normally that means, oh, we're stopping the run. If they have five defensive backs on the field, it means, oh, we're gearing up to stop the pass. So opponents can kind of, you know, know what the Packers are gearing up to do. Now, if they have two versatile inside linebackers in Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, gives them a little bit more freedom to do different things on defense and also keeps other offenses guessing. And Devontae Wyatt, at some point, I would think the Packers hope he's their number two defensive lineman. Kenny Clark's obviously the guy on that line. But the Packers have been really bad rushing the passer from the interior and also really bad stopping the run. They were 30th in the league in yards allowed per rush with 4.7 last year. A couple other advanced metrics have been worst in the league uh, defending against the run. So they, they needed another guy that explosive on their defensive line. Um, and their defense right now looks really, really good on paper. Matt, the second wide receiver that they selected in the fourth round, uh, Romeo Jubes from Nevada, he looks like a real explosive stretch the field kind of player. Having looked at the highlights, I mean, that's something Devontae Adams did a lot last season. And, Watson was ranked fourth round. We had Sam Monson, pro football folks, and he actually said Watson would be the best fit for the Packers. So to get two wide receivers, you know, greater flexibility next season going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a really crowded room now. And Brian Gutekunst said he just wanted to create more competition there, but uh, it shows you 
that this training camp is going to be extremely interesting when they're trying to narrow down that room to, to six or seven guys, maybe you're going to need those bottom of that depth chart guys to influence special teams. And I, I would say the roster locks at that position are Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, and Christian Watson. Sammy Watkins will see how he does in camp. Um, but his contract indicates that he's no, by no means a roster lock. Romeo Dobbs had a lot of return experience at Nevada. So maybe he makes the team. I would, I would assume a fourth round pick is, is a lock to make the team, but uh, what strengthens his case, if he's not a lock is that he was a really good returner at Nevada and, and the Packers need a really good returner to kind of revamp their special teams. Interesting note about Samori Toure, their seventh round pick out of Nebraska, who spent the first couple of years of his college career at Montana he led the Big Ten in yards per catch, 19.5. Matt LaFleur told us at owners' meetings last two months ago now, I keep I kept saying last month, but it's May now, um, that he needed a guy who had speed to take the top off a of defense in his wide receiver room. They have probably four of those now since he said that. Sammy Watkins, uh, if he still has those wheels that he used to, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Torre. So it'll be interesting to see the competition at the bottom of that room. Uh, whether it pushes out guys who have been here like Juwan Winfrey and Malik Taylor, but special teams ability when it comes to those fifth, sixth, seventh spots is certainly going to be important. Even past the seventh spot, Matt, uh, Packers signing 14 on draft to free agents today. Is there anybody that stands out there for you? Or, you know, do you think any of them have a, have a realistic chance of maybe challenging to, to get on the final roster this season? It's always so tough. I mean, these guys are just, you know, names right now. We, we know about them, but uh, not really what the team thinks of them because we don't talk to anybody about them until this week at, at rookie minicamp. Um, Packers will have, I believe, media availability on Friday when we should be able to watch practice. So I'll have an answer for you then since I've never seen any of those guys play. But, you know, the thing that's interesting about rookie minicamp is, yeah, there are still, I guess now there's one roster spot open. They have 89 guys on the roster now before they sign draft picks and before Alan Lazard signs his RFA tender, but you look at a guy like Lucas Patrick in 2019 who came to rookie camp as just a tryout player. They hadn't even signed him yet, and he develops into one of Aaron Rodgers' most reliable linemen. Like Chris Barnes was an undrafted free agent. He turned into a nice player, although I, I'd assume uh, he won't see many snaps because they drafted Quay Walker. So there's always one or two guys in that bunch uh, who turn into something. It's just like trying to find a needle in a haystack right now for who those guys might be. Matt, you've been with us 10 minutes and we haven't mentioned your night before draft day uh, poem, which was uh, oh. a fanta fantastic uh, reading last last week. But uh, also um, the, the Packers are coming to London, but there's uh, another type of football coming to, to Lambeau. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's all about the, the, uh, the internationalization of things uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to be an idiot and say soccer because that's what I've called it my whole life. But football... I'm a big football fan, American and the actual football. Um, so I'm really excited to go to that. I'm definitely going to get tickets. I just want to know if the, if like the main guys from each team are going to play or if what they're going to be resting. Game? When is it? What, yeah, like what date is the game? It's July 23rd at 6 p.m. Central Time. Usually it wouldn't be the case, lads, but with the World Cup being the Christmas and the Premier League starts early. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, Man City could put their third team out and you'd be happy enough to worry. I mean, there's that many players. <laughs> I know, but I, I, I know, you know, De Bruyne and Sterling and and Jesus are probably not going to be playing, but I would like to see at uh, least there, a It's much more players. likely than than a preseason that the you'll see the starters much more so than in an NFL preseason game. They, oh yeah, definitely. You know, and they're, they you might get forty five minutes out of them at least, rather than I'll like take the, that. I'll take that. The four snaps that you know Aaron Rodgers takes in preseason. Right. No, but I, I'm excited. I think uh, it, it's the first ever football match at Lambeau Field. Um, so I'll definitely be buying tickets when they go on sale. I think later this week. Brian, Brian, you're on mute. He's still too excited from the Giants picks. The weekend. I'm back. Man, what I was saying was, this is the first time you've been on, and we haven't grilled you about Aaron Rodgers, so I have to start there. Um, 
there was a, a bit of a report last week where he suggested he wasn't aware of the Devontae Adams uh, trade in, when he signed the contract. Um, from your from your uh, links, do you buy into that? Do you think it was one of those situations? We all felt that he would be made aware of that when he was signing the contract, but he seemed to indicate last week that wasn't the case. Yeah, I had reported the night of the trade that exactly what he said on the record on the Pat McAfee show the other day. Um, he knew Devontae Adams was not happy and, and was upset with the organization and, and with his standing there and that he wanted out. But Rodgers thought that Adams would eventually come around to remaining in Green Bay because of what they were offering him. $28 million and a half dollars per year. Ultimately, it just came down to Devontae Adams wanting to wanting a change of scenery. Um, I, I think there's also a chance the the Packers contract offer financially what he wanted came along too late in, in the process, even though it did end up being more, uh, you know, in some aspects than what the Raiders gave. But um, I think Rodgers was under the assumption that the money would eventually get Devontae back to Green Bay, but ultimately he wanted to go back and play with Derek Carr. It's interesting because from a fan's perspective, you, you feel that most players, with all they really want to do at the end of their career is look back on, on a, a Super Bowl win. And like right now, and with all due respect to Raiders fans who do watch the show, realistically, his best chance of winning a Super Bowl would have been to remain in Green Bay. I know, and I understand the relationship with Carr, but I was, we were all surprised because I felt he was kind of, Suppose make playing his card very early to get that contract, and in the end, they would, you know, honor that and give him the contract and he'd stay. But not that's not the case, and he probably could miss out on a potential opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. Right. Uh, I mean that that AFC West is loaded, and and I think, yeah. you know, we said the same thing when Aaron Rodgers was making his decision. Um, who knows if he ever really seriously weighed wanting to play somewhere else? But best chance to win one is in Green Bay. I know they've fallen short, but. You'd certainly think it's a it's a better chance than than in Las Vegas, but hey, happiness is measured differently for different guys. And then if he, and if he wants to play with his buddy and and be closer to family out on the West Coast, then all the power to him. Yes, uh, all the power to him indeed. And look, Matt, we we really appreciate you coming on. You're saying that you're a soccer fan, a football fan. Uh, yes. Work with the Athletic. We've got unbelievable coverage over here. Right. Yeah, we obviously you got Ornstein and stuff. So would recommend anyone, you know, at the end of the day, Matt's taking his time to come on here and we, we really appreciate it, folks. If you do get a chance, go and check out the Athletic and, and maybe subscribe because you can get soccer, Premier League, and the NFL. So it's sure. it's great fun. And Matt, hopefully see you uh October 9th, October 16th, whenever. You're more than welcome we'll to come on our show before you have to pick up your credential. It's literally opposite the stadium and uh, Oh, really? Yeah, no, I mean, I'll be there. I'll be in London, wherever it is. So I'll definitely stop by. I was soccer, football was my, well, I didn't play American football, but soccer was my main sport in high school. So before I I put down the cleats, the boots, whatever you want to call them for uh, a computer and a pen and pad and, and started covering sports, I was a decent soccer player for one of the better teams in the state of Connecticut in high school. We did a show last year at Tottenham facing the stadium on a rooftop and without giving too much away, it's our intention to do that again this season. Awesome. And so hopefully we can get you on the show that morning. In, Absolutely. In Let's do it. Brian will sort you out a black cab, London style. It, it, it'll be fine. You no, Matt, if it is the Giants, I might, I might have some foul language for you on the day, but we'll get through it. Okay. <laughs> you, you have my commitment to come on whenever I'm out there. Awesome. Matt, uh, appreciate that, man. Massively. See you soon and enjoy the next few months. Can't wait the football starts again. Chat to you soon. Good stuff. Thanks for having me again, guys. Take it easy, man. Thank you very much. Fantastic to speak to Matt. Really appreciate like lads, Matt's the man that's obviously very supportive of the show and we really appreciate it. Um, we've seen some incredible support this weekend, and I think it's important to talk about this here, lads. Um, because I know some people are watching as well, and it's something that is very important. Uh, two Irish lads signed as undrafted free agents uh, with NFL teams over the weekend. The first one, Daniel Whelan, um, has signed with the, with the New Orleans Saints. He signed about 20 minutes after the draft ended. It came out officially. Um, so that's unbelievable. Uh, Daniel moved to America when he was, I think it was 13 or 14, so it's a big moment. Uh, and another lad moved when he was eight, born in Dublin, James McCourt, who's signing with 
uh, my team's rival, the LA Chargers. The thing, kickers or punters, lads, like they've honestly got a really good chance of challenging. Seen Thomas Morstead was like in uh, the tweet about Daniel Whelan and Jeff, etc. So uh, I have to run two seconds. But however, Colin, I'm sure you'll agree as as you boys start to talk about this. This is. Um, a massive moment for us because it's great to see the UK lads, especially with the NFL Academy doing so well, but also to to see local lads that you know take their chance. Want lads that have moved to again born in Ireland, moved to America, go through the system, and they're this step. Like they're so close now to becoming the first active NFL player since nineteen eighty five. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, what you're talking about is the, again, the the growth of the game internationally. And now after a 37-year absence, we have two Irish guys in with a shot of, of making the roster. Um, both of them will have to compete and earn their spot, but I think both are in potentially um, with the shot. We know um, that uh, the, the Chargers weren't too happy um, and obviously made a change kicker last year um so the competition will be will be there obviously the guy uh, the current incumbent has experience but um we we shall see but the league talked about this when at the international press conference um Dumani, uh talked about how they want to increase the international pair pathway program how they would be um, opening that up to kickers and punters so that may open up opportunities for um, guys from the island of ireland also the fact that we're now seeing remember these guys have come in but there are others in the college system so there there is potentially a pipeline there and obviously with tight leader heading across to the cfl there's a real potential here you know for um uh, uh, somebody from the island to step foot and play regular season football, which is, I think, what what we all want. And yeah, I mean, obviously, when there is a a, a connection, it it adds to it even that that little bit extra. So um, yeah, I will put the AFC West rivalry aside and cheer on the Irishman to to make the the roster both in uh, with the Chargers and of course in New Orleans as well. And with the Saints, and I've delved into it as well in more detail over the past few days, and they feel from, if you read the reports, it's, it's a very open competition on the punting situation. So again, um, similar to, to Colin's point around the Chargers and some inconsistencies of the kicker last year, there's some disgruntled Saints fans at the time around the punting situation last year. So he's going to get a, a fair opportunity to go in there. And look, the world is, a, is their oyster now because you know they've got an opportunity to go in there and compete for a position and if it's if it's not to be with that particular team they might get another opportunity elsewhere within the league we've seen many a player who ends up on another practice squad then be brought into the to the force team itself come to sunday so it's great opportunity and and it's great to see as as columns do to, to, to see people from our own little country finally get an opportunity to go over there because i think a lot of people who, who don't really fully understand how the process works i would just assume it's always going to be americans but what we've seen over the past few years you know, we had Jakob Johnson on there last month on the show, who's signed for the Raiders from the Patriots. Classic example who someone's come through the the, uh, the international program and and made his way in, in the career in the NFL. And we've seen an Austrian player, you know, picked in in the draft year day. It's great, it's fantastic to see players um, over there make making great great opportunities for themselves. Yeah, and look to to both these lads, wish them. The very, very best of luck. Like I've put the Twitter and Instagram account socials. Follow these lads and, and join their journey. It's it's going to be an interesting few months and we wish them the very, very best. And I, I you know what? It gives me something to watch during preseason as well. Get some reps in. Looking right. forward to it. Uh, Daniel Whelan, James McCourt, lads. Very, very best of luck. Uh, I think, we should also, I think we should also recognise that uh, Ty Glader will be departing soon for, for Canada. He's going to be playing. He's gone. He's, he's, gone. Go. So he's going to be playing in the CFL this year and we had Lawrence Tynes uh, who was originally from Scotland who kicked the Giants to two Super Bowls on previously and he said his his time in the in the Canadian League was so crucial for him getting that opportunity in the NFL so maybe, hopefully Ty will also see the rewards for all the commitment he's put into the game over the past couple of years in the coming months. I yeah I think I think after a couple of seasons in the CFL please God he, he's, he's going to get what, what he deserves there as well and um, ju- just on what we were talking about there a second ago just with um with the two lads, like we're hoping to get, you know, look, there, there's an open invitation, lads. You're more likely to come on the show. Uh, hoping to get uh, Daniel's coach on, um, Aaron Perez from the Punt Factory. He was chatting to him yesterday. Looking forward to hopefully doing that there over the next few weeks and months and, and just seeing this game develop even more. I can't tell you how happy I was when I see the NFL Network 
with that tweet. And it was it Mike F. I don't know his full name. He tweeted yeah. Rich Eisen, Peter Schrager, Dan, Daniel Jeremiah, and the lads. Unreal the weekend. And fair play to Rich Eisen for, for reading it out live on TV. Great crack. Yeah, very good. Very on, good. Just, just, just unreal. Like I'm trying. I had something else in my head, boys. I can't remember what it was. But um, I think it's the the second year apparently that Mike has gotten um a stump the truck tweet the on truck. there. So uh, kudos to him for that. The other thing is that just to say as well, like we're seeing more international coaches in the league as well, and I think that makes a, a difference in terms of, of bringing players through. So it'll be very interesting to to see how it continues to develop, but. It, you know the league is committed to it, and you're seeing the the fruits of that labor uh, come to fruition. Um, I just want well. the senior ball. You know, we, the senior ball process kicks off in February, and I think it gets kind of missed by a lot of fans because it's obviously close to the, the end of the season in terms of everybody's so locked into the NFL. I think it's a week prior to Super Bowl, and we've had great support from Jim Nagy, who's been on. He was on our our show last week before the before the uh, the draft. I was looking at the numbers this morning on the senior ball because uh, there has been people over the years that just really don't fully understand the merits of it. 106 players drafted. 82% of the players who went to the senior ball were drafted. 45 in the first three rounds. 40% of the entire draft were players that went to the senior ball for that week. So it just shows, again, the great work that Jim Nagy and the team do down there. And we were fortunate to have um, Penning on, who, who was... Picked up by the Saints again. He might have the opportunity to become good friends with Mister Whelan if he gets the chance to stay in New Orleans. But again, I just think it was great to see the amount of players that go to the Senior Bowl and the great work that Jim Nagy and the team do down there. Absolutely. Um, do do we want to even sort of talk about the team each year, just about the draft before we? Yeah, I've got one for you. I've got one for you. Okay, I'll I, I'll go first very quickly, and I'm going to probably butcher his name. Bernard Ryman, no, Bernard Ryman, 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 going to the Colts. Um, congratulations! I watched his video last night of his of his reaction. Um, his journey is is unbelievable, and there's more proof of the, the growth of this game. And that was that's what I was going to say as well. Did anybody see the lad from Newton Hards making the pick for the Vikings? Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. I had no idea. I literally said to him on Sunday, I was like, lad, if you like, if we would have said, we would have had a bit of crack with that there. But here, fair play. Big, big Vikings fan. And we'll maybe talk about the Vikings at the end of the show when we maybe predict uh, who's going to be playing in London together in a minute. Colm, uh, who, who stood out for you in the draft? Was it was it pick number nine and, and Russell Wilson? Or who, who was it? <laughs> The the team that stood out for me, and um, I I'm sure it'll raise a a wry smile for Mr. O'Leary. But the Eagles, I mean, honestly, what they did was impressive. Whether whether you like them or not, um, they how how we I think did did the right thing in terms of going up there and and getting um, AJ Brown. You have a, a young QB on a rookie contract. You don't know yet if he is um, going to be the guy. But you put weapons around him. So whether he's the guy or not, in and you're if you are looking for another QB in a year's time, which you still have ammo to go, get up and, and get, you still have AJ Brown for whoever comes in. If it isn't another rookie that you've gone up to get, um, Jordan Davis makes a lot of sense. We talked about it on the the live show uh, in terms of Fletcher Cox getting older, but the ability to have Fletcher Cox there for another year to ease um, Davis in. So. I really um, think that they made a lot of sense. I had talked to Jim Nagy, uh, Brian said about Cam Jurgens. I really like what he does at center. I think um, it makes a, a lot of sense uh, in terms of if Kelsey gets injured or just bringing him up behind. Nicobe Dean, like that, he fell because of injury concerns. He says that he's good to go for rookie minicamp. He is a superstar. He was the brains of that Georgia defense. We talked about that Georgia defense being potentially the greatest college defense that there has been, and he was the guy who ran it. So, yeah, I, I really like what, what they did. Could it all fall flat in their face? Yes, that's what I talked about earlier. You never know how it will work out. But right now, when I look around, I really like what the Eagles did. I, I have a good and a bad for you. For you. Um, the, bit, the good is the Buffalo Bills. Um they addressed the cornerback in the first round, and there was a running back in the second round, and they took James Cook. It's Dalvin Cook's brother, and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to look at his his highlight reel. And I know 
it's difficult now to say how good they'll be in the league. But bearing in mind the Bills, you know, the offense last year, they haven't had a really proper running back. This guy looks like a really, really good player, and he's the kind of player I think that could push them on. And then they went for linebacker in the third round again, another need. So I think the Bills, who are on the periphery already, you know, have really done really well and addressed positions of need straight away. And the team, I'm, I'm not going to say they're not going to have a good season or anything, but I just don't get the Vikings strategy in this draft because they went from 12 to 32 to allow the Lions to move up to get uh, Jameson Williams. But usually when you do, when someone jumps 20 spots, you're giving away a first-round pick next year. And that wasn't even in the deal. So that was I found that a little bit strange, I think, they, you know, for what they got back. And then they go into the second round on the, uh, in terms of the second day, um, having the Lions' first pick of the next round. And then they jump back 19 spots to let the Packers move up. So they, there's always this thing around, I didn't see the value in the pick at that position, and that's why I traded down. But when you're trading from 12 to 32, you're, you're allowing all those players to pass you by and then you've done the exact same thing in the second round i know there's a lot of vikings fans that were asking the question of what's going on so but look the gm to new gm and you know, that's the difficulty with new gms two or three years down the line he's going to be evaluated based on his draft picks and it'll be interesting to see how he goes because i know a lot of vikings fans one or two who spoke to me just couldn't understand what was happening Big thanks to Matt Schneidman, who's retweeted the show. There's a lot of Packers fans watching this right now. So let's let's guess the the London games, the Munich games. And you know what? Why not just guess the Mexico game as well? It's going to be announced on Wednesday afternoon uh, at around 2, two probably 2.30. It's going to be announced on Good Morning Football. So, Brian, I know, I know you'll be watching that. So I'm sure you'll be able to update us uh, through that there. Are, are we guessing or are we suggesting? Because I think yeah, so let Let's go. Obviously, let's start with London, right? So we've got the Packers, we've got the Saints, and we've got the Jaguars. I'm going to guess. Well, the Jaguars, then the Broncos. That that's. I mean, that's good. Is there any point in me and Colin denying this anymore? Now, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, which is great in Wembley um, on October the 30th. Apparently, it hasn't been confirmed. We are we have no official we have no affiliation with the NFL, etc., etc., etc. Vikings Saints. A lot of talk about the Saints Bengals for a long time. They seem to be scared of that. They're Vikings against the Saints. I personally go back in the, in the last game. If Russell Wilson wasn't traded to the Broncos, it would have been the Cowboys 100% against the Jaguars or the Raiders. Uh, and finally, Packers against the Giants. Uh, I wanted to be the Giants for the crack just to see Brian's face when you know the Packers beat the, the, the sorry the Giants beat the Packers in London. I genuinely meant to say the Giants first off. Uh, I think, you, I think uh, if that was the case, you'd have it. You'd be concerned about your. Uh... Your health that night you know because you'd have to come on the come on the razzle dazzle i'll be in the flight home don't worry about that uh the one thing i will say is very quickly the jets obviously had the international the international home marketing agreements they were in london at the weekend they had a draft party then there's a pick from london don't be surprised if it's the jets with the nfc afc thing but at the same time if it's saints vikings that's nfc nfc so that rules out the window colin do you want to uh, give us different ideas who are the jaguars playing <laughs> yeah. uh, no, at, at, at this point i think it, it's you know it, 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 certainly the the jazz broncos has been confirmed to television stations in in denver are, are saying it um and uh benjamin albright just tweeted to say that really? broncos fans should check the weather in uh, london town around halloween it that so that one is confirmed um it i i keep going back to it um the league would have set the international game back if it was the Saints against the Bengals in London. Fans in yeah. Louisiana would have been rightly, um, absolutely livid uh, to, to not have the opportunity to see Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who had a historic season. And what, we talked about the Georgia and the historic de defense, LSU, that historic offense. To have taken that away from Louisiana would have been idiotic it would have been um just i i, I there aren't words for how uh, how much of a silly move and i i said it on this show before i would have understood fans burning the superdome to the ground if the league did it because it would set it back fans in in america in new orleans would rightly say that that is our game why are you taking that why are you giving taking us the opportunity to see joe burrow here so I'm glad that they seem to have moved away from that. We'll get confirmation. If not, maybe maybe things will get very interesting there. But I think that would be the right decision to have that game take place in Louisiana 
in the Superdome and it will be a great occasion. It will be a true homecoming. Uh, just so we haven't touched that's on... That's, that's no, I just want to one more. We, we haven't, before I get to that, we haven't touched on the, the news that came out this afternoon is that uh, uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew is actually signing for the Saints. Three-year deal, $33 million. And LSU, again, you know, so he's gone back to play in uh, his hometown, essentially, for where he's London been for, for a number of years. And he'd be London-bound, yeah. Um, on the other one, um, without look, a lot of people feel it's going to be the Giants, it hasn't been confirmed, but we've spoke to a number of people who are slightly linked towards the Giants, and the indication is that the Giants are coming, but we don't, we haven't seen that lot fully confirmed. Um, the reason why I don't think it'd be the Jets is because they were there last year, and I know they're very keen to get involved in the London team, but they were there last year. I think the league would like to see... They know that the, the fans that go to the games was to be a large contingent of Packers fans. They also want fans who want to see a number of teams. And I think I think inevitably it will be the Giants playing. The Packers and the map picked up picked on it earlier the fact that you go through the games in which they have a home. They've got the Pages at home, Cowboys at home, Titans who were the number one seed last year. That's one seed against one seed, AFC NC. They're the type of games that the TV companies in America will be all over. You know, and we'll see it fully confirmed towards the week when the schedule is released. So it just seems to make so much sense for it to be the Giants. And obviously, as a Giants fan, I'm really hoping that is the case. And we get to see Kayvon, Michael. We get to see, oh, Jesus, we have the second coming of Christ. Eh? <laughs> um, let's uh, let's look at Munich. Now, uh, good evening, Jer. Uh, thank you very much for your comment, mate. He's doubting the Jassy back in so soon. I agree. Yeah. But I just have the feeling that Gang Green in the UK are going to rise up. And I think we should stay on the show right now, Colin, if the Giants don't go now, Brian has to fly over to Lambo for that game instead. Uh, here, seriously though, like, that's the one game I'm not confident on. Munich was hilarious, because I woke up this morning and seen Peter King's uh, Football Morning in America article and leapt for joy when I seen the date. I have the flights booked, easy as. If anybody wants a flight, on the Saturday, I don't need it anymore. You can change my name on the flight. You can have a column if you want. Or Brian has it. 13th of November, um, the flight home, boys, is going to be a great crack. For Munich to, like, it'll be mad, mad crack all day. Yeah, we're going to Munich and back. Um, box of the home team. Colin, Peter King said the Rams are, have asked the NFL. There is no way in God's green earth that the Rams are going to be playing that game in Munich. In the same way, I just can't see the Chiefs playing them now. But at the end of the day, if Derry could be thrown yesterday, boys, anything can happen. So you never know, all right? But uh, I, I think Seattle, I actually done a bit of digging this weekend and seeing how many fans, like they have been like hundreds of thousands of fans in Germany, like 100,000 fans at least. And that, that game will be like hot kicks regardless. But uh, I'm going to say the Bucks against Seattle at uh, 2.30 Ireland time, 3.30 local time on the 13th of November. And when the German national anthem goes off, I think it's going to be on. Believable, Colin. Who have you got? Well, I think that's probably the way in which it's going. I mean, when Peter King was on with us, he said he didn't think it would be the Chiefs because he expects them to to be the home team in Germany very soon. So uh, that he he doesn't expect them to to go over. Uh, the Seahawks probably make a lot of sense. He also pointed out that Tampa, Tampa Bay's uh, home schedule is ridiculous this year. So um, kind of any of the the games that that go over, but. Look, um, you have seen um, Pete Carroll, Snyder, uh, and Joe Snyder lear learning German. Uh, you've seen all sorts of videos from the Seahawks uh, in relation to Germany over the, the past kind of not 18 months, so I would almost go back. So, um, yeah, maybe it will be um, Tom Brady um, versus Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, a fan from the stand, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be a Homer Simpson type scenario, and they will, they will pluck a random German fan who will play quarterback. Random German. Fan. <laughs> hey, Brian, Jerry's making a very, very good point. There was, there was an article, and there is an article on yeah. NFL.com yeah. that does state that the games outside of Jacksonville will be NFC, AFC. If it's the Giants against the Packers, go Pack, go. That's NFC against NFC. Um, Saints Vikings is NFC, NFC. Yeah, it's fair. And when we were in LA and we were at the press conference with the uh, announcing the international series, it was indicated at that that they were working to make sure it was AFC versus NFC for those particular games and the similar scenario with, with Munich. So look, I suppose at that stage, would they have started working on the schedule? Maybe the logistics and the strategic plan that comes with putting a schedule together just didn't work for that scenario to come to fruition. So um, I actually think it was the Chiefs 
going against the Bucks, but that's when it was Brady retired and they needed to have a big, big name such as Mahomes going over. Um, obviously, and I, I joked on the on the show, would would Brady come back, you know, not necessarily because he wants to be part of the team going to play in Germany, but I'm sure he is excited about the fact that he gets to go play in Munich. So I think when Brady came back and that was rubber stamped, I think maybe they looked at it from a different point of view as they've got Brady, he's a big name, he's going to be over there, that'll take up all the media. Can you imagine the media attention over there if it was Mahomes and Brady? I mean, that's Super Bowl last time. Jesus, Waps. I mean... Like it would be nuts. It would be. It and it's going to be nuts anyway because it's the first ever game in Germany. It's going to be absolute chaos. So the fact that they've got Brady there, that's enough, you know. And I think the NFL would have went. You know, we'll tell their horse here. We'll send the Chiefs in a couple of years' time. Um, I really, honestly, I'm, I'd imagine judging by what you're saying, it is Seattle. It seems to have a lot of merits, and you know, Pete Carroll has always been very open on on social media in terms of any Seahawks calm stuff that goes out around him, talking in German and influencing stuff when players who are from the international program are going to, to seattle so they seem to be very supportive of the game overseas so it makes sense for it to be seattle and it's a, it'll be a decent enough game um you can get your predictions in if you want folks that that's our predictions for the games in london and munich uh mexico uh, i wish the mexicans lads were you know like i wish we were like the mexicans because this game leaks every year like jesus every year yeah. every year this leaks and um, i seen earlier on four lads in a cafe in Mexico City, where in San Francisco 49ers top, where tops were at an official draft party, and they were all told the 21st November they're playing the Cardinals in Mexico City in the Azteca. So, is there any point in debating this, or are we just? Well, gonna... well, I think it's been a given for whatever with the opponent. The, the date was set in stone because that's a Mexican bank holiday on that Monday, and it's it was obviously a huge date in the calendar. It's been earmarked for quite some time that it would make sense to have the game on today at their bank holiday, and they all get to celebrate today. And, enjoy the game that night in Mexico. Um, I always felt it would be a divisional game as well. It was just a case of who they picked out. So it seems to indicate towards the 49ers. And that's a decent Monday night game, isn't it? Like cards cards and uh, 49ers. It wouldn't be the first time. I believe the Raiders played the Chargers there a couple of years ago. If I'm, that was the yeah. first Mexico game as well. That the yeah, Cardinals that, was, was, that was on a Monday night as well. So it'll make for a great game. Uh, column, uh, Esta de la Loca. Are we heading to Mexico? What, what's the plan? Um, well, as uh, somebody who is uh, an enormous fan of Mexican beer and Mexican food, yeah, I, I would absolutely love it. I will volunteer to be the correspondent on the ground for the Irish NFL show in the Azteca. Um, and uh, I, I, I definitely happy to, to take that one, lads. And I, I imagine, I'll, yeah. I'll come, but I'll veer off towards Cancun and enjoy myself there. I think that's like saying, like landing Belfast and saying that you're going to go to Cork. Like I genuinely think it's that far away. I don't know. I'll find out and see the crack. And we all know there's no straight road to Cork from Belfast, which we'll talk about on another episode of this podcast. Just when Colm said that about credentials, look, we just thank Justin and his team, uh, Joseph, for the access, the help in Vegas last week, uh, talking to the Jordan Davis. Who else? They talked to Jordan Davis and uh, Chris Olave. And just, just thank Mark as well for the graphics, Mark Hogan, uh, on, on the live show. It really helped us, especially... Uh, when the show ended at five o'clock and we had to go to work, I had to go to work the next day. So really appreciate that, folks. And uh, just thank everyone over the last few days. It's been, it's been a great few days. And there is a giveaway on, on our account. Um, if you check out the pinned tweet, you have a chance to win some Trust Gaming gear, an NFL draft cap of your choice, and also two tickets to Nebraska against Northwestern this August in Dublin. That closes tomorrow night at 10 p.m. After... I would call it the Champions League, but is there much point because the game's over? Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night after the Champions League to talk about the uh, London games. Uh, everyone looking forward to that? Yeah, we can basically we talk about the games we just pretty much compared. No, no, look, it'd be, it'd be good to get it locked down. It's, now it's probably more so about what date it's on and so people can start making their plans. and We can start making our plans around what we're going to be doing when we're over there. Indeed. Uh, folks, thanks very much for watching tonight. Really appreciate you. 